0: If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Praise God. Now, we started in Acts chapter 15, and this is what's called the Jerusalem Council, and this is where they basically came to the conclusion they were in a big dispute whether Gentiles needed to be circumcised to be righteous. Aren't you glad that they settled this issue a long time ago, gentlemen? All right. I'm quite happy about that. They settled this issue a long time ago. There were there were these who came from Jerusalem up to these churches where the Gentiles had been saved, and Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas had been going around spreading the gospel to the Gentiles, and many of them were coming into the kingdom of God, hearing the good news that Christ died for their sins and that he was buried, and that he rose again from the dead on the third day, and whoever believes on him would live forever. I mean, what an amazing message, right? What a beautiful, beautiful gospel. And so... Uh, and then these Jews came from Jerusalem and they began to uh, interrogate, if you will, uh, the message that they had received and they began to add to it saying, yeah, yeah, well, it ain't that easy. Nothing in this world is that easy. All right? There's more to it. You can't just believe and just confess Jesus as Lord and then everything's all right. You've got, you're going to have to show something here, all right? And, and you got, it's a serious serious decision you need to make called circumcision. It's quite a commitment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so uh, it was unsettling. The scripture says it was unsettling to them. A lot of men squirming in their seats hearing that message. But so now they all bring this matter to the apostles back at Jerusalem, all right? And there's this arguing going on, and finally they get everybody calmed down, and then Peter says, hey, hey, let me remind you guys how all this started. And he reminded them about the vision that he had uh, on the roof at Simon the Tanner's house and how God had sent an angel to Cornelius, this Gentile, to send for Peter over to Joppa and to to tell, and he will come and tell you things that you need to hear. He'll come and tell you words by which you and all your house will be saved. And so Peter did come and Peter said, listen, I got to this man's house. And he came to the conclusion, basically he said, as I was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on all them just like he did on us in the beginning because they heard them speak in other tongues. And then he said, God then Because he made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. And when Peter reminded them what the essence of salvation is, it's a heart that believes, period. That settled the issue. Everybody got quiet. And then Paul and Barnabas began to tell them all the miracles and things that took place. And now the whole attitude, the whole atmosphere has changed from one of disputing and arguing to one of exhilaration of the power of God. So they decided, what, what can we do now for these churches who have been tainted, if you will, with another, this addition to the gospel? So they, began to, they decided to put a letter together. All right, let's look at verse 23 now of this chapter. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren. To the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. These are the places where those Judaizers had come and infiltrated with their works gospel. Unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law. To whom we gave no such commandment. Hey, here's an important thing to remember. Before you say Pastor Eric said this or that, make sure I actually did say it. All right. This is, this is really important that uh, when you come here that you hear, have ears to hear, I, a few years ago I was preaching uh, on the grace of God. Imagine that. still do. and always will. I was preaching about how sin will never equal in evil to how good the grace of god is that is i mean good exists all by itself good doesn't need evil but evil cannot exist without good so evil will always serve good so the uh, a, a dualist believes that they're equal powers and sometimes evil gets the upper hand and sometimes good gets the upper hand if you watch star wars it's dualistic in its thinking right the dark side of the force the good side right and uh, but but there, uh, evil and good are not even close because evil came from the devil. Good came from God. Are you getting this? God's the one who created Lucifer who then fell and became Satan. So Satan who has, no, who has an origin where God created him was not before God, was not with God, but God created him is obviously servant to God. Are you getting this? Are you understanding this? So... Um, and the problem I see, and I was preaching something like this. There's so much exaltation of the abundance of sin in the earth, right? Hey, listen, I know that. We just turn on the news for five minutes, you'll see it, right? If you let your mouth say what it wants to, you will you will see an abundance of sin, right? That's what the scripture says. When there are a lot of words, sin is present, right? So you just talk yourself into trouble if you just put it on automatic pilot, right? That's why there are times we got to guard our mouth, right? David said, when, when evil is before me, I put my hand over my mouth. Right? There is an abundance of sin. I, I don't deny that, and I certainly don't condone it, but there's something more abundant than sin. Where sin abounded, the Scripture says what? Grace. Much more abounded. So sin is from the devil, grace is from God. Sin, therefore, is no match for grace. As a matter of fact, Galatians, I mean, uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 14 says, a Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, you're under grace. So, wow, what that means is if you're under grace, then you have dominion over sin. Are you you catching? So I was preaching something like this, all right? So there's this woman who came up to me after the service. I mean, I was preaching my guts out on this, right? And trying to be as clear and concise as I could be. She's no longer here, so you don't have to look around the room and try to find her. Um, She she told me that that she heard me say that because of the grace of God, because it's more abundant than sin, then you can just go do whatever you want. I I seriously almost slapped the woman. I really did. I I had to. And I thought, how did you come to that conclusion? So I figured something out that day. That some people will only hear what they want to hear. And apparently, they said, we gave no such instructions to tell you this. But apparently, these guys only heard what they wanted to hear them say, and they went out spreading this other garbage to these Gentiles and tried to put them into bondage instead of just living in the liberty of the gospel. Look at verse 25. Are you still with me? Acts 15, verse 25. And it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord. This is the letter. And it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Saul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when I read that, I, I asked the question, why is it important for them to say that? Why is it important for them to put this in the letter, that these guys that are coming to you, they have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because what they're telling them by telling them that, is that these guys genuinely care more about the truth of the gospel than they do their own lives. They're willing to die to make sure that the gospel is, stays pure in its form. Wow. See, this, this is why Paul, the apostle, was beaten to pieces Time and time again, he endured the kind of suffering and the kind of persecution that he did because he would not preach anything other than by grace you have been saved through faith. And the religious community went nuts over that. Because if it's that true and if it's that, ki- and if it's that liberating, then there's no man who can control you. And that's what religion's all about, is controlling you. Keeping you under their thumb. Keeping you down. We'll tell you what's right. We'll tell you what's wrong. Rather than walk in the Spirit. Because if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We who live in the Spirit should also walk in the Spirit. The law, the the, the Spirit... I'm going to get it right here in a second. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now let's look at something for just a moment. Turn to Romans chapter 4. We're going to take a little side road for a second. Romans chapter 4, in verse 2. And I want you to see... I'm going to, we're going to look at what looks to be like very contradicting verses of Scripture. All right? And if you, if, you're not, if you don't understand what you're reading here, that's exactly the conclusion that you're going to come to, is that the Bible contradicts itself. All right? And if you read it on basically just on a surface, that's exactly what it's going to look like. But I want, I want us to look at Romans chapter 4, verse 2. It's just Paul speaking, he says, For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now listen to what Paul goes on to say. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. All right? So if you work that job for two weeks, then there is a debt of a wage that is owed you. Yeah. Right? How would you feel if your boss came up to you after two weeks of work and came up to you and said, I want to give you this gift called a paycheck? You go, that ain't no gift. I worked for that. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Right? So this isn't a gift. Grace is a gift. Are you catching this? So grace can't be earned by our good works. It can't be earned. It's impossible. By the way, there's no work that we could work where God would ever owe us. I'm going to say that again. And I'm talking about for righteousness' sake. I'm talking about for righteousness to be justified to 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 get in good graces with the man upstairs. Right? The big guy in the sky. I think in the end he's just going to say, "Hey, you know what? You did more good than bad. Come on in." Sorry, sucker. It ain't going to happen like that, man. Because all that good stuff you've done, and you try to do that outside of a relationship with God, outside of confessing that Jesus is your Lord and believing that He's the only one that can save you from your sin, you're going to come into a very hot experience. If you're relying on yourself, you're hopeless. All right, Every other religion in the world does that. But grace is different. Grace comes to us unearned unmerited, undeserved. It simply comes from the goodness of God. So work equals wages owed. Faith equals grace received. Okay? Now, look at verse 5 of Romans 4. But to him... Now listen to what Paul... Paul makes sure to make a distinction here, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to catch the language of this. But to him who does not work but believes you catching that? He makes a separation between works and faith. But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. That is, God, gives, God credits him with righteousness because he believes. All right? God says, okay, you're righteous. So what did Paul just teach us in that verse? Faith without works is righteousness. That's what he just taught us. Faith without works is righteousness. All right? We're going to get to the other one. I know the one you're thinking of. All right? But Paul just told us that. Whoever does not work but believes, his faith is accounted for righteousness. So faith without works equals righteousness. Woo! All right, where did he get this idea? Where did Paul, jump down to verse 9. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? Circumcised meaning Jews, uncircumcised meaning us. For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for what? Righteousness. How then was it accounted? Now Paul's going to, Help us see how it all started. Did it happen while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. Now, this is important that you understand. Paul's, Paul's not just flip-flopping around here. He's coming to a point here, all right? He's removing every argument. He's making a case for you. And he's saying, this is not just for Jews. Abraham being a Jew, the moment he became circumcised. But this happened before he became circumcised. The fact that his faith equaled righteousness, God credited him with righteousness, that happened not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And in Genesis 15, Genesis chapter 15 is where that happened. And verse 1 says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So we know this isn't Abraham yet. He hadn't got his name changed, and he hadn't got his knife out. So at this point, he's still just Abram, uncircumcised Abram. All right? And verse 6 of that same chapter says, and he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. This very verse right here is the centerpiece for what Paul put together as the new covenant doctrine that we're talking about tonight, that he believed God and he accounted it for righteousness. Now, verse 11, I'm sorry, I know we're looking through some scriptures, verse 11 of Romans chapter 4, we're still there, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised. So he's telling us what the, what the circumcision meant and what the, un, what the uncircumcision meant, all right? So that faith was in action and that's what mattered, not circumcision, faith. All right, but the circumcision was a seal of that righteousness. And we're going to know why in just a second, which he had still while uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe. Oh, this is so good. Though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness may be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, as those are the Jews, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. So what he's saying is, Abraham is the father of the Jews and the Gentiles. And it all starts by faith, but he's also the father of the Jews through the sign, the seal of circumcision, knowing that they are a set-apart, chosen people of God. The natural seed of Abraham. But ladies and gentlemen, all of us, thank God, he made sure to tell us that Abraham received his righteousness while he looked like us. So that all of us could receive grace through faith. All right? Now let's go to King Jimmy, James, that is, the book of James. And let's see what James, the apostle, has to say concerning Abraham, faith, and works. All right? Did we get what Paul had to say? Faith without works is righteousness. Now, let's see what James has to say. James chapter 2, verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect? Does this seem like it's unraveling everything we just learned? Come on. Does this sound like this is completely contrary? Wait, oh, we haven't hit it yet. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God. He's using the same scripture Paul did. And the script, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Verse 24, this is where the nail goes into the coffin. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. What in the world is going on here? Matter of fact, the great reformist Martin Luther, who decided that he was going to stop, stop the... Uh, the madness that he was living in and he could not get over that phrase, the just shall live by faith, the just shall live by faith. Martin Luther stood up and said, I am not doing this. I am not crawling over broken glass and rocks and, and, and tearing my body up to repent for my sins. I believe the just shall live by faith. And thank God for Martin Luther because that sparked the whole Reformation and we are all recipients of that move but here's the thing Martin Luther could not, he, he just could not make sense of these two ideas. You know what he did? He ripped the book of James out of his Bible. I'd like to help Martin Luther, he helped me a lot. So, my question is who's, who's right? I mean, Paul said it clearly. To him who does not work, but believes on him, his faith is counted righteous. James says, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. The answer is both are right. We just have to figure out who these guys are talking to. It's not really what's being said, it's who's being addressed. All right, this will take all the confusion out right here. And see, the Bible becomes clear when you understand that all the Bible is written for you, but not all the Bible is written to you. All right? It's all inspired by God, but not all of it applies to me. Thank you, Jesus. Let me remind you again. Everybody raise your right hand. Has your right hand ever done something wrong? Or as Jesus said, has your right hand offended you? You know what Jesus said to do? Cut it off. Aren't you glad that, that scripture today doesn't apply to you. All right? Everybody, look out your right eye. Has your right eye ever looked at something it shouldn't look at? Jesus said, pluck it out. Aren't you glad that even though that was written for you, you know it was not written to you? Okay. So when you understand the audience that is being addressed, then things clear up. I used to be so confused when I'd come across scriptures like this. I'm like, ah, right? And I'd hear preachers tell me, well, it's one balancing the other. No, there's no balance. Those are opposite ideas. There's no balance. Okay, let's, let's go to Galatians chapter 2 now. I haven't forgotten we're in Acts 15. We're coming back, all right? I promise you. And it's closer than you think. Galatians chapter 2, verse 6, unless you think it's right now. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 6. But listen what Paul is saying here. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. Let me remind you who Paul is talking about, Peter, James, and John. Now, I have to say, if I'm around Peter, James, and John, I'm going to think something's been added to me, Right? Paul says, they seem to be something. They added nothing to me. All right. Now, he's not being arrogant, ladies and gentlemen. Paul is helping us understand the level of apostleship that he was called to just like they were. And they were his contemporaries. They were not people he looked up to. All right? These guys are on the same level. Now, watch. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, watch, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter. Oh, okay. For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised, that is to the Jews, also worked effectively in me toward one cause church. Gentiles. It means one-cost church. And when James, Cephas being Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars perceived the grace that had been given to me they gave me and barnabas the right hand of fellowship watch that we should go to the gentiles and they to the circumcised so now we understand that paul when his right when in his writings he's talking to us but when peter james and john are writing they're not talking to us you're going to have to catch this you have to understand this now i'm not saying we can't learn from them But this is a place right here, ladies and gentlemen, James chapter 1, verse 1 says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are scattered abroad. All right? So there are things in this book that if they cannot be reconciled with what Paul taught you, they don't apply to you. Does that help set you free tonight? If they don't reconcile, if they cannot be reconciled with what Paul taught you, they don't apply to you unless you are of the 12 tribes scattered all over the earth. This is specifically to Jews. Now, let me say something. You can see then that, that, that we are all saved by grace through faith in Christ. There is still something being required of the Jews concerning the law then. Now, I, don't, I don't know what all that is, and I don't think I'm supposed to know what all that is. I'm a Gentile for Pete's sake. No pun intended. Peter's okay. Because the kingdom of God is going to be restored to Israel. Remember how I talked about the, the three tabernacles, right? The tabernacle of Moses, of David, and of Solomon. And, and right now we're living under that time, the tabernacle of David, where all can come and worship God freely. But there is a time when we're moving into the tabernacle of Solomon or the temple of Solomon when we will be taken out of the way as the bride of Christ, and then God will begin to do business again with Israel and the kingdom. Remember, the disciples asked Jesus, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? Is it time yet? And Jesus says, not for you to know the times of the seasons. All right, it wasn't time, obviously. So then these ordinances, it's important from God to the Jews to continue to, to practice or to pass down these ordinances from generation to generation until that time comes because that is going to mean something. All right? I wish I had a better way to explain that. That's going to mean something. Isn't that bless you tonight? <laughs> so scholarly. It's going to mean something in this week. By, like, you know you what? Know, I love the way, you know, I remember we would take prayer requests when I was a kid in our little church in southern Oklahoma. And, uh, and, and some of the prayer requests were this unspoken. Unspoken request. Unspoken? How, how, how are you going to know? you don't ever say it unspoken what does that mean it's an unspoken request well i guess it's not gonna get answered then it never gets talked about and then and then there was always somebody standing up and praying prayers like this right lord we just pray that you just bless him in a special way what does that mean bless him in a special way and lord feed all the hungry kids in jesus name amen Oh, you're noble there. All right, okay let's let's go to Acts chapter 15. Let's finish this thing up. I'm sorry. Maybe we'll have a rabbi come here sometime who can explain what all that will mean someday. But there that is the truth, but some some this is all coming over to um, Israel. and um, now Dr. Holler, maybe he can help clear some of that up as well. He talks about that he believes that Hebrews, James and all all the way through Revelation are all going to be prominent books studied during that time. Um, And and he's got an interesting take on it, and maybe we'll have him come and share that with you sometime. All right, let's go back to this, finish up this chapter, uh, verse 27. Are you guys still with me? I hope I didn't confuse you too much. Um, But get the podcast and listen to it again and again if you're still confused, and I'm sorry. Verse 27 We have therefore sent Judas, remember this is the letter they're writing to the Gentiles, we have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Now how many of you know that whatever seems to be good to the Holy Spirit, it's a good idea that it seems to be good to you too? (laughs) It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, too. Yeah, we're in full agreement with the Holy Spirit. To lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Listen to what he says, these necessary things. All right? Here's what they believe is necessary for these Gentile churches to hear. This is so beautiful. And a little bit humorous, too. That you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, and what they meant by blood was from drinking blood, from things strangled, Alright, that's humorous if you just leave it like that. But let me explain that a little bit more. That, that through, through pagan rituals, they would strangle, strangle the animals and then they would eat the meat because they felt like the life was kept in the actual flesh of the animal. And so that when you ate the animal, that you ate the life of the animal. You see how stupid that is? Anyway, but that's, that, was their, that, was their, that was their belief. Their, and though, so, And... From sexual immorality, if you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. That's it. I think we can do that. So we we don't. So we keep ourselves from things offered to idols. Okay, I can do that. Quit drinking blood. I, I can definitely quit drinking blood. I can. I can that strangled animal food. I'll, I can. And sexual immorality. I think I can do it. Yeah. That's it? That's it. Farewell. <laughs> all right. This is the letter, and they wrap it up. These, now, now, what he said, these are the necessary things. All right. Now, all of those things, even the sexual immorality, had to do, as I've said before, with the way the pagans worshiped. You remember that they actually had temple prostitutes where they would come and they would purchase a prostitute and they would offer up their sex as an offering. To a God. Well, how, how convenient for that religion, huh? <laughs> I, remember, I remember when I when I first met Heather and she was she was going to the Catholic Church and I love the Catholic Church. Please don't get me wrong here. i I'm, uh, and the the people I, I really do. But I, I you know I when I was growing up and and it was you know pretty hardcore Pentecostal that that any. Talk of alcohol of on any level was like that is of the devil. You don't ever touch it. You don't you know nothing. And and they it would even wish away scriptures about Jesus turning water into wine. And there was all this big controversy. No, it was grape juice. Give me a flipping break. You know you gotta make the Bible say what you want it to say. All right. So, but it was it was like I, I can remember as a kid just. If I ever saw anyone drinking, I was so judgmental of them. I didn't know any better. It was how I was like, sinner. That's the devil's drink. I mean, so much so that my uncle, now he was an alcoholic, but he came over to, was, he's not anymore. Thank God he's delivered, but he came over to the house one time. Oklahoma, and me and his kids got in the back of his truck while he was inside my house talking to my mom, and we got into his cooler, and we poured out every beer the guy had. I thought the guy was going to kill me. But I'm thinking, I'm saving this man's soul. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> you know, just I didn't know any better. We came not from the Bible Belt. We came from the buckle of the Bible Belt. All right. <laughs> Where was I even going with that? I don't even remember where I was going. Oh, Catholics, yeah, that's right. Thank you, James. Thank you. So I go to her brother is he's fourteen, or I don't remember how old, he was going to get confirmed. I don't know how old you are when you do that in the Catholic Church. Anyway, he's going to get confirmed. So we went to his ceremony, and then they had this bazaar out outside where they were doing like these cakewalk, and all kinds of stuff. So we walked out there, and there's a booth that says Coors Light, right? The priest is serving the drinks, right? And I'm like, what is this? I mean, I'm, I'm like, I said, I've been in the wrong church all of my life. There's a church that believes this, it's okay to drink? Are you kidding? <laughs> now that's a joke. But I mean, I, I, was, I was seriously like shocked. Like, what is this new world? I'm. Uh, it was interesting. Okay, so. So they were to abstain, from pagan rituals by abstaining from these practices. See, of 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 um of worship of false gods then what they would do would then become separated from these others. And what they're teaching them in this is that the Christian life is a life of separation. It's a life that is consecrated to God. And no longer do those things mean anything. But now a life for God looks different. You act different. You walk different. You talk different. You think different. All right? So then they could... uh, as a a result, then begin to demonstrate the life of the gospel. Verse 30. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now, that's good news. Either circumcision or quit doing this other stuff. Ah, we'll do this one. Isn't this good? They rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with him mama's boy John called Mark. But Paul, I'm not kidding, I think that's what Paul thought of him, but Paul insisted that they should not take with him the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with him to the work. Remember we read about that a long time ago few chapters back, when they were out on their missions trip, Mark was with them, and somewhere along the way, he's like, I'm going home, and he leaves, all right? Paul got ticked off about that. This was still in his crawl, right? He's like, this guy quit on us, right? Barnabas, no, he's not, mama's boy ain't going with us, and, and so now look what happens. Then, content, the, then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. Hey, these guys are the best of the best. Are they not? It can happen to the best of us. All right? These guys separated their ways because they could not reconcile and come to some kind of compromise over Mark. I, I, think, I, think, it's, I think it's a bit of a shame. Now, later on in, in Paul's letters, I was reading it just this morning, actually, he actually con- commended Mark to come and see him. So there was some reconciliation there. I don't know what this whole story was about. It doesn't really tell us, but I think this is a really sad part of the Scripture here. All right? It's not really commending either one in their action. It's just saying what happened. The the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. We never, ever hear of Barnabas again at this point in the Scriptures. But Paul chose Silas and departed And I'm thinking in the next chapter we come there, Silas is probably wondering why in the world he chose Paul over Barnabas. And we'll get to that next week. Being commended by the brethren to the grace of God, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Amen. I hope this has encouraged you tonight. I hope this has blessed you and the the Word of God has come alive in your hearts. Amen. Father, we do thank you for your Word. We thank you, Lord, for for the gospel of the grace of God. That your gospel sounds too good to be true and yet it is still true. That is that Christ died for our sins and Christ was buried and Christ rose from the dead three days later and by that action, by Him doing that, He opened up for us a new and living way. The only way to eternal life. And we thank you That you did all that was necessary, Jesus, to bring us into a right, prosperous relationship with God Almighty. What an amazing thing. And all we have to do is simply believe. Thank you for that. Lord, that makes us sitting here tonight grateful. And also does something in us that stirs us to want to do something for you. To not live our lives for ourselves, but understand the immense price that was paid so that our sins could be washed away. And we could be made whole and right. And that we could live a life in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. Lord, that makes us want to make the right decisions. It it makes us want to raise our kids right. It makes us want to say the right things. It makes us want to love others. It makes us want 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 to be gracious and merciful to other people because you've been so abundantly that way to us. We thank you that your grace liberates us to live out from the bonds of sin and free in the liberty of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Bless all my family here tonight, all these who are under the sound of my voice. And I pray that grace and peace would be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I declare over them that no evil shall befall them and no plague shall come near their dwelling. For you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all their ways. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, the blood of the everlasting covenant that cleanses us and covers our lives. We thank you, Father, that all of our children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. I thank you that this people shall be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and that they go here in the love and grace of God. And, Father, I thank you for those that are out there that we will come across their paths, that will cross our paths, where we will have the opportunity. You always set us up with opportunities to tell others of this amazing grace that has come to us freely, simply because God loved us, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, I love you guys very much. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service, Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram At One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.